Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's another episode of Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, who also happens to be my girlfriend, Kelsey. Hello, everyone. So this week we are talking about movies that are so bad that they're actually good. So we'll get into exactly what that means. We have a list that we'll kind of go through in the beginning. And then together we're going to review Kissing Booth 1 and 2, which we saw mainly because they got so popular online. But they have such a low Rotten Tomato score that we were like, what's the deal here? So we'll say whether or not those were actually fit in that category and then we'll also do a movie review later of the new netflix movie enola holmes but if you're not subscribed at this point make sure to do that hit that subscribe follow button wherever you're listening to that now and without any further ado let's get started in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so let's get right into it. Movies that are so bad that they're actually good. So what the qualifications for are, they have to be so ridiculous and so kind of like you watch them. And you're not expecting them to be a good movie at any point, but for some reason that they're so bad, we enjoy them. So there's a difference because they're just movies that are bombs, that you go to a theater, you want to walk out of them, and they're just not enjoyable whatsoever. You would never recommend them to anybody. Christopher Robin? Okay, the first movie we went to. I don't think that was a. I don't think that fits the category. I think if you just don't like that movie... No, I just think it was bad. It was bad. See, that's just so a bad, bad movie on bad. your part. Yeah. You saying that. Yeah. But there are movies that... Over time, they've kind of become cult classics because they're so bad and so ridiculous. And maybe when they made them, they weren't even expecting them to be this bad. So the first one I saw so much people sending in when I tweeted this was Twilight. And it's because I don't think those movies were ever intended to be bad. But just the ridiculousness and the plot lines that 
Follow along with the books, right? Did you read the books? I did read the books. I, I read the books and I went to midnight premieres of Twilight. Okay, so do you feel that the Twilight movies fit this category, that they're so bad, they're actually good? Absolutely. They're terrible, but if it was on TBS tonight, I'd probably watch it. Because I've only seen the first one all the way through, and I've seen the other ones here, bits and pieces of, but I thought the first one was actually a decent movie. It's not terrible. It's just also a weird premise to... I feel like maybe in like 2020 they could do it like a little bit better. We have better like CGI and things. It just wasn't the acting. I could go down a whole rabbit hole of just may need to be recast. The kind of whole the whole joke with the Twilight movies is like the love story in there, right? That it's not that great. It's weird. Okay. It's just a strange love story, and I mean the fact that she falls in love with a vampire, but then the other one's a werewolf, and you're just like, this is so. Like, there are movies that are just so unbelievable, but it felt like they wanted you to believe this one, and it's like, I, I can't believe this. And you have a favorite quote from the Twilight movies? It's uh, when Robert Pattinson has Kristen Stewart, and he's like, you better hold on tight, spider monkey. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh so much, but it does. It just, it just encompasses how dumb that movie is. So putting the first one on the list, we're going with Twilight. So bad that it's good. Are we going just Twilight or, like, the whole series? I guess the whole series, okay. if it's in this. Um one that we've also watched together, and I don't know why we suffered through this, but we watched both Grown Ups movies. Grown Ups 1 is good. Grown Ups yeah. 2 is what we suffered through. So Adam Sandler, I think he just kind of puts out bad movies, but I think Grown Ups, when we watched 1 and 2, we kind of bought into the fact that like, okay, this is going to be so ridiculous and it's going to be like that kind of dumb humor. We were kind of expecting I had that. I hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen I it. Hadn't, yeah, I hadn't I seen had it. I had seen it before. So I was like, I remember this being stupid, but funny. And I think you need that every now and then to watch something that's basically a live action cartoon and basically so dumb that knowing that it's so dumb and going to be so kind of dumbed down, you find it enjoyable. I would agree. And I think that's probably the only one of Adam Sandler's movies that fits that category, like that he's put out recently. Other than that, I think it just kind of puts out bad movies. Hey, you loved Uncut Gems. You saying it's praises. Okay, movie. that's different, though. Okay, that's I'm just different. Saying, you said Adam Sandler puts out bad movies. I'm just supporting I mean, him. Ones that he actually puts out through his production company. Okay. That Thank he actually you. Thank is you for like, puts all his friends in. I'm not saying every movie he acts in is bad. I'm just saying his comedies altogether have kind of been known as being yes every low. movie that has david spade and kevin james all the usual rob guys schneider? rob schneider okay. although i am excited to see that hubie halloween movie i haven't watched the trailer for it's it. it's coming out on netflix it looks a little less ridiculous than all the other ones but okay. i think it has some potential there i'll watch anything at this point i'm desperate for new content <laughs> another one i saw and i feel like you would agree with is night at the roxbury yes which is a, an snl movie and is pretty ridiculous. I've seen it. It's just been so long and I don't remember anything other than their like iconic dance in the car. Will Ferrell, I think, kind of falls in that category now of Adam Sandler of he used to put out really great movies that were really funny. And now he's really hit or miss more so miss as he is of late. I think he also kind of just puts out bad movies now. But Night at the Roxbury, again, such a ridiculous premise. It's these two brothers. It's just so bad that it's good. Yeah. They break the windshield, right? When they're doing the head bob? I think so. And he's like, you I broke the windshield the again. Bob. I broke the window again. Dad's going to be pissed. Don't worry about it. I'll just tell him you did it. Well, I didn't do it. I know. <laughs> I'm driving. Don't do it. Yeah, I know. Another one I was thinking of, I don't think you've seen it. 
and I'll just kind of run through the rest of my list here, but Anaconda, which is Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube. And it's just, that's exactly what the movie is about. sounds like a recipe for disaster. It's not a disaster movie because it's about just a giant anaconda that's killing people and just so crazy. And they try to kill the anaconda. That's the whole movie. It sounds like a sci-fi. I would be more likely to watch it if it was on the sci-fi network because their movies are just terrible. But like a real like went to theaters. Okay. Sounds bad. That's kind of the other category of like the Sharknados and all those kind of those movies. Uh, Yes, Sharknado. But that those are also movies that they I, I feel it's a little bit different because they make those with the sense of them being so ridiculous and so over the top that they know that. I think some of these other movies that fall in this category were actually trying to be good movies at one point. And they were actually trying to have some success at the box office, but they weren't taking it seriously and it hurt them then. But over time, people watch these back and forth and be like, "Okay, it's so bad that it's good. But I think those movies are whole kind of a different topic. Yeah, they they know that it's going to be bad. And yet we all keep tuning in. I mean, it's literally a tornado with sharks in it. Um, But along those lines, um, Deep Blue Sea is another good one. And then you have comedies to Dude, Where's My Car? Which I don't think you've ever seen that movie, but it's Ashton Kutcher. And it's another one where the topic is and the premise of it is so dumb. But for some reason, it's one of my favorite movies. I know the tattoo scene where they're asking each other what the tattoos. Oh, say. yeah. They have it on their back. And yeah. they're like, dude, what does mine say? What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet. What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet. You. Your tattoo says dude. Your tattoo says sweet. Got it? Great scene. That's my kind of humor. And also when they go through the drive-thru and the end then, do you know that part? No. No and then. Then you're gonna start to piss me off, lady. And then (laughs) I'm gonna come in there and I'm gonna put my foot in your ass if you say and then again! Great scene. Again, that's why the movie's so dumb. Okay, don't make that face at me. For everyone, he's making a face at me. Like, he is in disbelief that I haven't seen that. Well, we'll not force you to watch it. It's okay. <laughs> um, some other movies, Mortal Kombat, which is a video game movie. And anytime they make a video game movie, it's a recipe for disaster. I think the only time one has been as successful as it has is when they made Sonic the Hedgehog this year. That probably did well because it's really the only new movie that had a shot in theaters this year. But for some reason, video game movies are hard to make because you're taking a video game that everybody either grew up playing or just has an attachment to and trying to build a story around it to have people entertained for an hour and a half. And they usually do a pretty bad job about it. And the Mortal Kombat movie, I remember watching it as a kid. And it was just cool to see them all live action. To go from this video game that you play all the time. And then to see that taken and to be like, oh, that's what they would actually look like in real life. But the movie is just so ridiculous with bad acting. And looking back on 90s CGI effects, not the greatest thing. So I think it kind of has a cult following now. And I see a lot of people on YouTube like recreate them and make like their own kind of fan versions of it or with making it look a lot cooler. But for those original ones in the 90s, not a really great series. Another one that's pretty big and some people debated whether or not it's an actual bad movie was the movie Con Air, which you have a lot of really great actors in this movie. But I remember watching this and thinking this feels like a parody of an action movie because it's so 
almost not self-aware of how bad of a movie it is and how overdramatic it is and how weird Nick Cage's character is in the movie that I thought it was trying to be a parody of another action movie. But yeah, that's another one on this list. On the subject of Nick Cage, though, what about National Treasure? Would those be so bad that they're good? I don't I don't think those are bad movies. I think I actually really like the first one. And the second one... I guess the second one more so. Yeah, but that I think that one's just a bad movie. Okay. I don't think that one really... Just wanted your take on that. Nick Cage is another person who just puts out kind of like... He puts out some strange movies. Like that one knowing that he did where like the world was ending and it was about like aliens and it ends with some bunnies in a field. Yeah, he's kind of a weird Sorry, guy. that's a spoiler, everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to go back and watch knowing. But he's another one who... You can't really go into a Nick Cage movie taking him seriously. And he's kind of an actor that you enjoy how ridiculous and off the wall it is. You kind of have to buy into him a little bit. I think there's some people like that, like Vin Diesel. Yes. Like anything outside of him doing Fast and the Furious. you're the prob- pacifier. You're probably going to watch and be like, this is a ridiculous movie. Um, let's see if we have anything else here. Um, again, with Nick Cage, like a movie like Face Off, with the whole premise of it is him taking his face off. Something you'd probably not be into. Uh, No, thank you. (laughs) Pass on that one. But yeah, that's kind of the topic here. If you have any other bad movies that you want to add to the list, you can always hit me up on Twitter. But what we're going to do next is talk about Kissing Booth 1 and Kissing Booth 2, which we'll see whether or not it fits this category. All right, we'll do that next. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. 
Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now we're going to talk about Kissing Booth 1 and 2 and whether or not it was such a bad movie that it ended up being good. And I will give a little bit of a spoiler alert at the very beginning because we're going to dive into all the plot points of this movie because I think to only do it justice, we had to talk about all the weird things that happened in this movie. So I know I don't like to ruin movies on this podcast, but just a bit of a heads up that we are going to give away some plot points and what happened in the movie. But I also don't feel like this is a movie you can really ruin. You already know that there's one and two. And if you follow any kind of movie news, you know that they've already made three. So and by the end of one, you're just kind of like, you know, the big thing that's happening or there wouldn't be a two. And they're also just so predictable. I don't feel like it's going to be like, oh, I can't believe you ruined the end of this movie. It is such a predictable movie that talking about it in full isn't going to deter you from enjoying it. If you go watch it on your own, I think if anything, you may want to go watch it after this or just stay away from it altogether. So just know that we are going to talk about all the plot points of this movie. So let's start with the kissing booth one. Just set up, in your words, how, what, how you would describe the plot of this movie, because I have issues with it. <laughs> oh, okay, so there's the main character. I can't even think of her name right now. Her name is Joey King. No, no, her <laughs> character's name. I don't know. L. L. That's what it is. That's what it is, L. That's, that's how much we love this movie. We just watched them last weekend, and we can't remember. Okay, Okay, L. her name is L, played by Joey King, who I've only known from The Conjuring. She was a kid in that, and this is the only other thing I've seen her star in. So... She and her best friend, and I can't think of his name either. Um, it's just like about them navigating. They've been friends since childhood. They go every weekend to the arcade and play one of those like dance dance revolution, which I think by the end of both movies, they've spent like $100,000 yes. on these things. A, a plot point we'll get to later. <laughs> um, and then his brother. Flynn. So Noah is the his brother. Yes. So then... They, I guess, start to be interested in each other. And then like, the whole idea of the kissing booth itself is like kind of a subplot, I feel like. Yeah. Which I just have issues with the kissing booth in general. I think that's disgusting. I hope those never come back. After Especially this in today's world. Absolutely not. Um, I'm studying public health. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, so they're trying to raise money for the school by doing a kissing booth at a carnival. And that, that is a whole reason. And. The thing about it is the kissing booth is such a small <laughs> point of this entire movie. Like You're it's, so furious it's literally right a minuscule part, almost just one scene. And that's what the entire movie is named. That is the biggest problem I had with it. Yeah. It's literally called a kissing booth and it's probably a kissing booth for maybe five, seven minutes of the entire movie. Yeah, you're right. That is such a small point. <laughs> it's almost, I'm just so hung up it. on how gross it was. So that is gross in itself. And I think a lot of people had problems with this movie of like how problematic the plot points are and how it kind of follows like some stereotypes of other teen movies and also just what she's experiencing in this movie. Yeah, it kind of felt well, the kissing booth part reminded me of that scene in She's the Man where they do that. Yeah, we've talked about that movie before, which I'm like, and we're just kind of recycling like comedy from mm -hmm. 2006. And it, it worked in that movie. Yeah. It wasn't but it wasn't a comical point in this. Like it was a meant to be taken seriously as a fundraiser. I just felt weird. So she is trying to deal with the fact that she has a crush on her best friend's brother. And of course they have like these set of rules that they follow. And one of them is you can't date a sibling. Oh yeah. They have a lot of rules. So they have all these rules that they're following throughout the movie. 
And then she jokes about the fact about she has a crush on him. And then she's like, oh, wait, I do have this crush on him. And she wants to end up being with him. And that's kind of the whole first movie of them trying to will they, won't they get together? And how will his brother figure it out? And then it just kind of creates problems and then they instantly go away. That was my issue with it. Yeah, there was no resolution to anything. You also forgot the fact that the brothers live in this house, this like giant like house in California somewhere, and they never have parents around. There's no parents. parents? And it's a huge house. There's just so many little things that kind of bothered me when they're like texting each other. And I guess we'll get into the second part of the texting later. But yeah, that's it's a I guess it's a movie thing of like they go to text their friends and Whenever you text somebody, you usually have a whole text thread you see in your phone of all the previous messages. I will say some people delete their threads a lot. I don't. But everybody in this movie just automatically had a new text thread. They've never spoken to each (laughs) other before. So the first one, there were just so many weird plot points of her, for some reason, not putting clothes on. That was a a strange plot point. Like, I I wasn't expecting that from like a teen movie yeah and like it, i don't i don't know what necessary I, yeah that didn't feel necessary i just didn't know what she was trying to exemplify with that and what the story was kind of building on it just seemed like she was trying to act out in a weird way and i didn't get it yeah i didn't get it either and then there's a lot of like hooking up and it just seems weird it felt awkward at times it did feel awkward it it just felt strange and it's not even that the characters look young i mean they do look young but it just felt didn't fit the vibe of the movie almost and i i felt like i was watching like a bad soap opera but for some reason it was entertaining i will say as someone who's watched soap operas they're worse (laughs) it was some still entertaining enough that made us want to keep watching it yeah we spent four hours watching those last weekend they're each like two hours which that also surprised me at one point we were like oh this is almost over and we had like an hour left i was like what other story do they have to fill out the rest of this 30 minutes so the first one ends, again, spoiler here, but they end up getting together at the end of the first one. Is that right? Yes, but then there's there's some continuity between the first and the second, and he's like, I'm going away to school. So they go to the airport, and she drops him off, which she gets way further in the airport than anyone ever can. Oh, She's yeah, like no. practically to the terminal <laughs> with him, and I'm like... I, you would never be able to you do You can't that. do that. That's only on TV and movies. Um yeah, and then he leaves, but then the second one starts, and she's like, we started dating and spent the whole summer together, so I don't really get the continuation there. So, we'll get, so that's the end of Kissing Booth 1. That's where part two starts. What would you give the Kissing Booth 1 on a rating? Three out of five. Whoa, that high? I mean, that's not... If you're doing that out of a 100 scale, that's a 60. That's not a passing grade. Okay. It I wasn't... Would... I would... I watched it. I enjoyed it. Would I watch it again? No. Would I recommend it to anyone? If you're really bored, we turned it on and ha- we're working for the second one. So True. we didn't pay that much attention, but it wasn't, I've seen worse. Okay. I would give the first one two out of five. Okay. All right. We'll move on now to the kissing booth part two, which takes place right at the end of the first one. And so many thoughts about this one. <laughs> it's her character again. And now she is in a long distance relationship with the guy Flynn who has gone to Harvard <laughs> somehow he made it into harvard and now they are doing long distance and that's something we kind of found relatable because we were long distance until this year 
And what we thought was so weird about this and found had a problem with is they would go an entire day without texting. They would go days. He'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't call you last night. And then they just would like only text each other one word. And I'm just like, how do you, that's not sustainable for a relationship. And then they're like, oh, we have some things to talk about. I'm like, clearly you haven't spoken in like months. I can't imagine going. I don't think there's been a day since our first date that we haven't talked in some capacity. Yes. Even in the very beginning, because Mm -hmm. we were long distance, that's how we had to talk. Yeah. And if we went an entire day without even checking in. If we go a day, that's how you know I'm mad at you. It would just be weird. (laughs) Like if you're in a relationship let alone a new relationship and you go a day without texting you're not like i hope the other person's okay like just checking in on to make sure they're alive that reminds me of when we first started dating and i was on a hike in colorado and didn't text you for like seven hours and you were like you good i was like are you alive are you okay (laughs) they're just going like all day and they're like oh and they would just text each other like little one word responses. Or she'd, like, or she'd give him the like, like she'd do the like to the text. Yeah. Was super oh, we did both go, ooh, on that one. Because <laughs> she was like, he wanted to talk to her and he hit her with the like. We're like, ooh. But Kissing Booth 2, you kind of have this new guy put into the picture and you think they're going to end up together. And they are trying to win a dance competition so you know if you go to an arcade and they have like that dance dance revolution game that's what they are playing and first of all that's like the most expensive (laughs) video game when you go to like a dave and busters or whatever that's like easily a four dollar game and they're trying to win a fifty thousand dollar prize from a contest so they're practicing but that's my (laughs) other thing is like you're practicing in an arcade like I don't get the, they just went every day. No one else wanted to play. Like there's not some other kid like sitting there waiting to like, Hey, they're hogging up the thing the whole time. And she's probably spent at least thousands of dollars going to this thing every day to practice. Those things are so expensive. So that was a weird plot point. And then also when they finally make it to the competition, they just show up and it's like this huge like stadium setting of a competition and they just literally just signed up and showed up with no like previous thing before that so did you like the second one better than my other plot what was the other one the dorm room oh the dorm room her boyfriend is at harvard and i don't know why every ivy league school like they did this on gilmore girls for anyone that's watched that no dorm room looks like that it's First of all, it looks nice. They don't look nice. It doesn't have like fluorescent lighting and a linoleum floor. It's like a bedroom and they have a common room and it's this like luxurious, like I would love to live there. And I'm like, why do movies do this? It was so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. That made me angry. Yeah. I've never lived in a dorm room. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I never did. That's right. You can't offer perspective on this. I, I, dorm rooms aren't great. Okay. I remember my sister's dorm room and it was very small. And imagine just like awful lighting um linoleum maybe some carpet that's been there for 30 years and smells and a mini fridge and his dorm looked nothing like that it was insane so what would you rate the kissing booth to 2.75 out of 5 went down a little bit yes because it was just like an useless continuation yeah i watched the third yes yeah, I would give this one a one out of five. Oh, <laughs> I I don't know. I just I didn't see. I saw everything coming in this one, and it was also two hours long. Oh, we also forgot that she just magically learned to drive his motorcycle. Oh yeah, that was another point along like the Pacific Coast Highway. <laughs> so 
And somehow they're making a part, or already made the they part three. They already made three. the part three. I don't know where the story goes after this. We forgot, too, that they dated and then broke up. That had to be awkward. Oh, the yeah. The two main characters dated in real life. Oh, yeah, they did date in real life. Yeah. So you said when they made the second one, they were already broken up after dating, right? Mm-hmm. That must have been so awkward. Yeah, that had to be really awkward. And I, I mean, actors do that. They have to be professional, but... Can you imagine like having to kiss someone on screen like after you've broken up with them? So they started dating while they were making the first one? Yeah. So they, I guess, essentially like, were like, oh, hey, we should date after this. They fell in love on set. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then they were like, no. Oh, man. So that means they did the second okay, one and broken the third. up and the third one. So that kind of makes me want, I don't know. I didn't feel like they're on screen. I guess you couldn't really tell unless you knew that outside of it. Yeah. That has to be awkward. That sounds like a whole episode in itself. Finding people who dated. Oh, there's as a plenty of those. Ooh, I think you just got me my topic for next week. You're welcome. Do I get to come back for that one? If you want to. <laughs> so do you feel like this fits the category of it's such a bad movie that it's good? Or you just feel like these are kind of bad movies? No, I think it's so bad that it's good. Like, I enjoyed it. It's so just like out there and unrealistic it's one of those where they tried to make it realistic and it wasn't Mm -hmm. so then you're just like oh this is bad but it's enjoyable yeah i thought it was it for some reason was enjoyable enough to make me want to keep watching even in the parts that it was being so ridiculous and so like this makes no sense whatsoever it was somehow compelling to make me want to watch more and like you said when that third one comes out we're probably gonna watch it and be like all right we will watch it we'll we'll be sure to update everyone on that (laughs) all right so that is the kissing booth one and two i'm gonna get into a review of enola holmes which is a netflix movie that is actually good not in any other way it's actually good talk about that next all right, so let's get into a movie review now. Going to be talking about Enola Holmes, which is a brand new movie on Netflix starring Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill. It's in the world of Sherlock Holmes, and Enola Holmes is Sherlock Holmes' sister. So we'll get in all about what this movie is about. But before we do that, here's just a little bit of Enola Holmes. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. So this will be a spoiler-free review. And what the movie is essentially about is Enola Holmes is Sherlock Holmes's teenage sister. And she discovers that her mother is missing. So... She is trying to find her throughout this entire movie, and it's essentially a mystery movie. So kind of what you would get from a Sherlock Holmes movie, but with a different perspective. And I really like the way they kind of made this different and the way they incorporated Sherlock Holmes, because I was worried it was just going to kind of feel like a spinoff a little bit. But he actually has the kind of presence in the movie and his character kind of comes out to where it's like, okay. It feels like you're getting an entire Enola Holmes movie, but with that kind of Sherlock Holmes feel. So I like that part of it. I also really like Millie Bobby Brown in this. I really just know her, and I think most of us do, from being 11 on Stranger Things. And this was kind of like like last week of seeing uh, Tom Holland do something different than Spider-Man. This was like seeing Millie Bobby Brown doing something different than 11 in Stranger Things. This is a much lighter and easier to take in movie than The Devil All the Time. But there's a lot of things I liked about this movie. I do like how the mystery plays out in this movie, how you're trying to follow it along and figure it out as she is. And I like how they 
give her her own identity and allow her to kind of develop this character. And the cool thing about this movie is that Millie Bobby Brown was a producer on it. So she kind of had a lot of input in some of the writing of this movie and how her character was done by her. So that part of it was actually really cool. Visually, I felt like this movie had a lot of elements of just what I kind of go to expect from like a big blockbuster movie. Like they spent a lot of money on the action sequences and the fight scenes were cool. And I like the kind of wittiness that this movie had. So they do this thing where they break the fourth wall, which that means the characters in this movie, Anola Holmes in particular, she directly talks to you, the viewer, in breaking that fourth wall of like directing little kind of witty comments and kind of guiding the movie along, but also kind of bringing you along. I like that quirkiness of the movie. So I didn't feel like this was a huge departure from what she would play in like Stranger Things. I still felt like it wasn't anything like on the entire dramatic side. Like there was some a little bit deeper moments, but I almost feel like she goes more hardcore in Stranger Things than she would have to in this. So it wasn't really getting a more serious side of her. I think it was just getting a more of like seeing her as being the full on lead in a movie and her being so young and thinking that, man, she could actually transfer her skills from being on a TV show on Netflix to being a leading actor in a movie. I thought I really saw it here and I know she's going to do a lot of great things after stranger things is over. And I think this movie is kind of an early indication of that. I don't think this is going to be like her big breakout role by any means or anything. People are going to see and be like, Oh, she's clearly a movie star now, but man, her being this young and being this great of an actress to be able to do two entirely different characters, I think just shows how far she will go. So overall, I really, I enjoyed this movie. I thought the mystery in the story was pretty great. I don't think it was too predictable. I think it's definitely geared towards a younger audience though, which is, I guess I wasn't really expecting. I thought for some reason there was going to be a little more drama, but it kind of just went the full on adventure route movie which I thought was great. Maybe in the third act, it does take a minute to get there and about over two hours, maybe it takes just a little too long to develop the plot over time. But overall, a pretty good mystery adventure movie with some big Hollywood kind of special effects thrown in there. They had some good action sequences. The fighting actually went a little more hardcore than I was expecting. I think over the entire movie, I could have just used a little bit more action. Just a little bit. It went there, but didn't fully go there. So overall, I would give this movie a solid 3.5 out of 5 clues. All right, that's going to do it for me on this week's episode. Thanks to my lovely co-host and girlfriend, Kelsey. Thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. A quick bit of movie news before we hop out of here. thing that happened this year that hasn't happened since, I don't know, maybe 2010 is no new Marvel movie has been released. And now that they finally pushed back the last movie I was even looking forward to, Black Widow, until 2021... We're not getting any Marvel movie. And the reason it's so meaningful and important that they delayed Black Widow is that it kind of shows that everything they've been trying isn't going to work of having big movies at home. And I know that's what everybody wants is like, okay, just put it on streaming. You have all these new movies that are available. But when they tried it with Mulan, it just doesn't work for big movies. These movies need to come out in theaters in order to make enough money in order to get really people to care about them. And now that this one isn't coming out it delays all the rest of their movies so like the eternals has been pushed back spider-man the sequel after that has been pushed back the horror, like it just creates an entire list of movies being pushed back to 2021 and 2022 so with 
nothing else coming out in theaters. Everyone else is kind of following suit of this now of like, okay, we're not going to put out these movies until next year, which sucks. And I just think it's crazy that I've had a Marvel movie to look forward to every single year for as far as I can remember now, like it's just been the thing to watch the new Marvel movie. And I don't know. I feel like it's kind of affected me in a way I wasn't expecting, like not being able to go to the movies. I know there's a lot of things going on in the world and being thrown off of being, having some kind of like normal routine or just regularity. But I feel this one affects me in a different way. Do you feel that at all? Yeah. Cause it would be like, okay, we would want to go do something. And it's like, okay, just go to a movie and going to a movie theater is different than being at home. When you're at home, you still have all the distractions. You can yep. pick up your phone, you can get on your computer. You can remember to send that email. You can be mm-hmm. doing whatever. But in the movie theater, I feel like you're just way more immersed in it. You can watch it. Like, of course you're distracted by everyone and their yeah. popcorn and stuff, but it's less distracting because you can't be distracting yourself yeah and even watching enola holmes this weekend like i found myself having to set my phone to the other side of the room so i wouldn't look at it and be distracted because i'll miss i'll miss a plot point i'll miss something and i'm just not like i'm not fully into it like i am at the movie theater but even just aside from that like marvel movies were an event it felt almost like going to a concert to watch a marvel movie because it's like you're going in you're gonna see the previews that you know, go along with that where they're teasing the next movie and then you're going to see everything on the big screen. And then just those moments that happen inside a Marvel movie where like everybody cheers or everybody's like sad at the same time, you experience that together and it's just has a whole environment around it. Or just like the thrill of trying to go see it opening weekend and yeah. like forgetting to buy your ticket yeah. and being like, Oh, there's still one seat and it's not in the very front. Like that was a fun, it's just thrill. all an event and like the post credit screen, all that stuff together doesn't translate to home i know it seems easy to say like oh you could just watch it at home and get the same experience they're just showing that it's not really going to work and be sustainable for major blockbuster movies and it sucks we won't get to really see one i wouldn't even feel comfortable going to one until next year so while i'm kind of sad about it i feel it because even when tenet came out i felt like i was being kind of like missing out after seeing people go see it and have that kind of theater experience again, I felt like, man, I'm doing a movie podcast and I don't even get to go see that movie because I don't want to go to a movie theater. But I guess it's a little comforting to know that they're not going to rush these movies anywhere. So bit of a downer. It's weird to go an entire year, no single Marvel movie out. Just not very mov- many movies in general. Yeah. The last movie I went to see in a theater was when we see Birds of Prey and that was in February. Yeah, it's been weird. I remember that last theater, I went to see Onward, and that was it. Then it was no more. So we'll see what happens with Marvel movies. I, I for a second thought, maybe after Mulan came out, that Disney would be more open to putting them on Disney+, Plus. but I don't think they're going to do that anymore. I don't think anybody else is going to push to have one on any kind of streaming service, and I'm okay with that. It's just weird to feel like I'm not having that experience in my life right now, which I know, like I said, (laughs) there's a lot of other big problems in the world, but it's weird not to have that in my routine of normalcy. But anyway, that's the episode for this week. Uh, I do have to give my uh, Instagram or Twitter shout out of the week, which I do every single week. All you have to do is tweet me at Mike Distro or tag me on your Instagram story. This week is going over to Twitter and it's at Nikki J. Rudolph, who tweeted that she listened to the last episode and learned some things. Um, about like the times that all the actors and stuff are actually on screen so if you haven't listened to that episode 
go back and check that one out from last week. Thanks again for my girlfriend hanging out. You're welcome. And I will talk to you guys next week. And until then, later. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.